Well, today is the conclusion of our series on Everybody Knows That. And of course, that's spoken tongue-in-cheek. Today, it is everybody knows that all religions are the same. Many people wonder why we make such a fuss about Christ and about Christianity since they believe that all religions basically believe the same thing, but maybe are just expressing it in a different way. There is an Indian proverb that talks about uh, six blind men being led up to an elephant, not knowing that it's an elephant, and each one of them is to feel a different part of it. Uh, One is feeling the tail, which wouldn't be my favorite place to start, Uh, and the ear, and the side, and the leg, and the tusk, and the trunk, and then after they've had a chance to feel these different parts of the elephant, they're brought back to describe what it was they felt that they were feeling. And the man that was feeling the tail said that he was holding a rope, and the one that was holding the tusk said it was a spear, and they each described something different. Now, the conclusion of that proverb is that as each one of them looked like they were describing something different, what they were really describing was the same thing, an elephant. And so what they say in this proverb is that that's the way it is with religion, that we're all describing a different part of the same thing, that we're all describing God in a different way. Now, the problem with that conclusion is that in the original Indian proverb, everybody agreed that they were describing an elephant. That's not the case when we're talking about religion, because as we'll see this morning, Christianity describes the way of salvation and describes God in a much different way than every other world religion does. And so that's going to be what we talk about today. Uh, Christianity and Islam cannot both be true at the same time because they're describing Jesus Christ in a different way. Mormonism, Buddhism, the others describe salvation in a different uh, different manner. And so while there, I see two possibilities to this. If Christianity is describing God and salvation in one way and all the other religions are describing it in another way, either all of them are wrong or all of them are wrong except for Christianity. But they can't all be true because they contradict each other in major points. The main points being salvation, who Jesus Christ is, and the way to God. Jesus Christ was exclusionary in his claims. He said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No other way, Jesus said. Jesus, the Jesus that's described in Islam, is not describing the Son of God who died for the sins of the world, and neither is the Jesus of Mormonism or Scientology. In these other religions, salvation is not described as by faith and through grace, but it's through works. Therefore, we're dealing with very different religious ideas that are not compatible with one another. Even though they may seem the same on the surface, the deeper you get to the heart of it, you'll see major differences. Not too many years ago, in Columbus, Ohio, one of the major denominations in America got together for a week to discuss, of all things, whether or not Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation. 
they were di- discussing, is he the universal Savior, or might there be other ways for salvation? What about the other religions of the world and their claims? Some people wonder if perhaps there are many paths to God, and maybe it just depends on your sincerity. I think if you were to ask the average American today to describe the differences between the major world religions, they would probably shrug their shoulders and say, I think they're all about the same. So today we're going to take a look at five major world religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. All religions are not the same, and I hope that I'll be able to point that out to you this morning. I hope that you're a student as you sit here and that you're able to see that it's not enough to just claim political correctness and not want to offend somebody or to believe in, in pluralism, which is saying that everything can be the same. So the first one we're going to look at is Buddhism. Most Buddhists actually oppose the concept of an ultimate God. Buddhism is not about finding God or even about finding his will. And Buddha himself did not claim to be divine or even that his teachings were derived from a divine source. Now just to back up a step, Buddha is not a person's name. It is a word that means enlightened one. The man's real name was Siddhartha Gautama, and he was born about 483 B.C., somewhere near the border between Nepal and India. He was born a prince in a lavish palace and had just about everything anybody could want, but he was troubled by the meaning of life. And his question was, if I have it all, why am I not happy? We've probably all heard people say that. And so as a young man, he left his family and he went seeking the truth. He tried everything from indulgence to complete and strict asceticism, which is the opposite of indulgence. So in other words, he tried giving himself everything he wanted, and then he tried denying himself everything that he wanted. What he decided one day sitting under a tree is that what leads to the the problem of life is craving. He said, craving leads to dissatisfaction. You want something, and even when you get it, you're not satisfied, either because you want more of it, or it's not really what you thought you wanted in the first place. So Buddhism teaches that enlightenment is the path to end that craving. Buddhism's central teaching isn't how to arrive... um, is how to arrive at the ideal state where there's no longer any craving. And he described that as nirvana. It's the state of disinterest towards everything that's around you. So in other words, the way to have true happiness is to not want anything, to not care about anything, to not love anyone. That's not what Christ teaches, though. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it to the full. That's completely the opposite of what Buddhism teaches. He also said in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that you may have joy, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. So God wants us to enjoy life, not to uh, be disinterested in life. Jesus taught that we're to enter into life and enjoy it to the fullest. We're not to try to escape from life. 
but to take it on with enthusiasm. Because even though we may have troubles, and we all do, don't we? The important thing is knowing that Jesus is there with us. In John 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, if I lose all attachments and I form no uh, love attachments to anybody else, uh, that's what is described in nirvana. But what Jesus said is not only that we're to love other people, but that we're to love them more than we love ourselves. Buddhism teaches that life in the created world are actually illusions, and nirvana is the way to escape that illusion. So Buddhism is teaching that salvation is not being saved from sin, it's being saved from suffering. The next one we're going to look at is Hinduism. There are certain branches of Hinduism that claim that there is no God, atheism. There's also the complete opposite end of that, where they're saying that there are thousands of gods. As a matter of fact, you and I can become a god. And that's where New Age philosophy comes into play, too. It has its roots in Hinduism. Rather than a belief in one transcendent God, and what I mean by that is a God that is above and over his creation, they believe that everything is God and that we can become God. So this practice of New Age philosophy, this uh, religion of Hinduism, gets into meditation, getting in touch with our own divinity. There are Hindu gods, as I said, there are thousands of them. Two of the, the better known ones are Krishna and Shiva, and they are always depicted as being violent and erotic. Shiva is usually represented with several sets of arms and legs, a fierce image with a necklace of skulls around its neck, displaying sexual imagery, and is surrounded by demons. That is not Jesus that we see in the New Testament. According to Hinduism, the world is an illusion, and history is cyclical. That is, we just keep repeating exactly what's happened before over and over again. We're caught in this endless and wearisome cycle. History has no point, and it is headed in no direction, no conclusion. And human lives are part of this cycle and go through endless reincarnations. So in other words, if I live a bad life this time around, when I'm reincarnated, I'm going to suffer because I lived a bad life. But if I'm living a good life now, then I can assume that in a previous life, I had been a good person. Now, this is the reason uh, why they believe that suffering is repayment for evil done in a former life. They would never get involved in something like remembering new. They wouldn't have any part in ending sex trafficking because they believe that those girls that get involved in it deserve it because they had led an evil previous life. That's not what Christianity teaches. Christianity teaches compassion and putting an end to suffering. Many of the hospitals that were started a uh, hundred or more years ago in Africa were started by missionaries. So what happens in a person's life is deserved, and humanitarianism 
trying to put an end to suffering really is doing a disservice because what they're getting is what they deserve. That's what's promoted the caste system in India and has led to suffering for hundreds of years. What does the Bible say about reincarnation? In Hebrews 9.27, it says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Not many lives, not endless cycles of lives. What does the Bible have to say about a salvation that is earned through doing good deeds? Titus 3.5 says, God saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The next we're going to look at is Islam. Islam is a religion that's practiced or was started by the Arab nations and people, uh, was practiced largely in that area, has now moved into northern Africa and Europe and many other parts of the world. They trace their lineage back to the firstborn of Abraham, Ishmael, and their scriptures, the Quran, contain messages said to be given by the angel Gabriel to Muhammad, a self-proclaimed prophet who lived in the 7th century. In the Quran, there is no room for questions or doubt, only submission. And according to special revelation that Muhammad said that he received, he was allowed to take 13 wives. One of them was only six years old, and that marriage was consummated when she was only nine. What does the Bible say about that? First Peter 1.16, and many times throughout the Bible, especially in the book of Leviticus, God says, be holy because I am holy. And in Ephesians 5.3, he says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper of God's holy people. Muslims tend to be some of the most religiously devout people on earth. Many of them have completely memorized the Quran. They're supposed to pray at least five times a day and fast for one month every year. But salvation, as you can see, is attained by doing things. It's not through grace. It's not graciously given by Allah. One way of earning salvation is to die as a martyr for the faith. They believe that just as Muhammad was whisked away immediately to heaven, and given several maidens, so it will be done for anybody who dies for the cause of Islam. The principle of jihad, or holy war, is taught in the Quran as a viable tool for the cause of Islam. Evangelism isn't through word, it's not through love, it's not through showing compassion, it's through violence and the sword. Many of the followers of Muhammad have been among the most uh, violent people in the world, not every one of them, but as a whole. Jesus taught, though, that we are to love the sinner, but the Quran teaches, or Muhammad taught, that the infidel must be killed if they won't convert. The next one is Judaism, which uh, we know is the mother of Christianity. Our God is the same God. Our history is the same history. The Jewish scriptures form the Old Testament in our Bible, we have the same moral code and commandments. We see history through the same eyes. The only difference is where the Orthodox Jews anticipate the Messiah's coming 
we believe that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the prophecies in the Old Testament. Our New Testament is added to their scriptures to form the full Bible and tells us about Jesus and uh, the significance of his presence in the world. The Jews read the prophets. We believe that, the, that Jesus is the fulfillment of them. They try to obey the law. We see Jesus and his teachings fleshing out the spirit of the Old Testament law. Some of those in the Jewish faith see Jesus as a legitimate prophet in the Old Testament prophetic tradition, while others believe that he was a, Jew, a Jewish heretic in the first century. But Jewish people do not see Jesus as the fulfillment of the promised Messiah. But what about Christianity? How are the beliefs of Christians different from those that we've just talked about? We believe in a God who is the author of life, who created a good world, but is separate from his creation. That's different than Hinduism that believes that God would be a part of his own creation. We believe that there are not many gods, but there is only one. Again, different from Hinduism. We believe that God has revealed himself in love to his creation in the person of Jesus Christ. No other religion teaches that. We believe that God gave us the law knowing that we couldn't keep it, even though that it was the way to have the highest fulfillment in life. But because of our failure, he provided a way for forgiveness. We deserve to die, but Jesus Christ died in our place so that we could be forgiven. He also overcame death through his resurrection so that we would know the way and not have to fear death. He said in John fourteen nineteen, Because I live, you also will live. It's interesting that in the Quran there are no miracles performed by Muhammad or actually by anybody else. There is not a single mention of the love of Allah for the world or for the people in it. And the concept of having a relationship with Allah is not to be found anywhere in the Quran. But Christians understand that Christianity is not about moral laws or religious practices. We understand that it's about a relationship with our living Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faith in Jesus Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. It's that relationship with Jesus Christ that is at the center of our faith. We're not trying to appease an angry God. We're learning how to fall in love with our Creator and our Redeemer and our friend. Some will ask, how can Christianity profess to be a faith of love and forgiveness and yet make this exclusionary claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven? What about the person who's never heard about Jesus? 
Will he or she really be forever excluded from heaven just for a lack of information about Jesus? Everywhere today, from the media and sadly even to many churches, the belief in Jesus as the only way to God has been rejected in favor of the idea that there may be many ways to God. A great place to begin addressing this question is with the fact that Christianity can't be just one of many ways when it contradicts all other worldviews and religions. If Christianity teaches that people are saved by grace and all other religions teach that salvation is through works, then either Christianity is wrong and the others are right or that all of them are wrong. But it cannot be that all are right. The Bible clearly teaches that everyone who violates God's moral standard, which is all of us, will not be saved. That's why the issue is not invalidated if someone hasn't heard of Jesus, because everyone has a knowledge of God. And I'm going to show you that through a couple of different scriptures. The first is through natural creation. God tells us that we can know who he is and that there is a creator through the creation. In Romans 1.10, he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. God also put a conscience in every person, and although we can dull that by not listening to it for years, each one of us starts with a conscience that tells us right from wrong. In James 4:17 it says, "Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins." So even our own conscience condemns us. But also there are many people that have access to a Bible, have access to the internet, to the TV or radio to hear religious programs or better yet know somebody or know of a church that teaches about Jesus and can hear about him. That's one of the main reasons why we send people like Sean and Angie to a place that haven't heard of Jesus or haven't had many people tell them about Jesus so that they will know the truth. The real question isn't, is there only one way to heaven? But rather, how can a sinner stand before a holy God? No amount of good works will make up for or cover our sin. Only grace provides a way for forgiveness of sin. And only Christ offers forgiveness by grace through faith in him. Today there are many voices that are telling us from many different directions today that there are many paths to God. It's important for us to know something about those different religions in order to be able to discern one voice from another so that we can be discerning and looking for truth. Pastor Bill Hybels, after interviewing people from many different religions that we have talked about today, said this, You need to know that the law of non-contradiction, and that's an important term to know, the law of non-contradiction, it says that positions that are different from one another cannot be equally true. You've got to figure out what you believe and where you're going to drive that stake in the ground and say, on the evidence of the search that I've done, this is what I believe. 
this is what I'll stake my life and my eternity on. And that's exactly the point. This is not just about preference of philosophies. Your life and eternity are at stake. Choose wisely. Earlier this month during the missions conference, I made this book available to you called Passports to the Religion of the World. And if you didn't have a chance to pick one of these up, I have a bunch sitting on a table out here in the lobby that you can get afterwards. But it talks about all of these different religions that we discussed today. In addition, uh, there is Jehovah's Witness and uh, Mormonism and Scientology. And it gives just a brief overview of what each one of these religions teach and uh, what the Bible says about that. So this would be a good reference for you to have. I hope that this morning, by looking at some of the different religions, but mostly by looking at what the Bible says, that you've had a chance to be able to clarify in your mind what you would say to somebody who says that all religions are the same.